Uh, my name's Dave Triggs. For those of you that don't know me, I am not one of the pastors here. Uh, Greg and Brad are both out of town. Uh, they're actually, I think they're flying in this morning, right? So they're, they're on their way, but just couldn't make it for this morning. So Greg asked uh, John McIntosh and I to take some time this morning to share a testimony to kind of follow up in our series that we're going through on People of the Book. And so we're just going to be sharing something that what God is, what God, what the Bible has taught me, something I've learned from Scripture. And so that's kind of going to be my my focus here this morning. And so we do just want to welcome you. Thank you for coming to the firehouse. It's good to see you all here this morning. And uh, uh, we're just going to continue on here on this people of the book. We've been going through the Bible. So it's been really encouraging for me. I know just to think about all the things that Greg and Brad have been sharing. And and just, yeah, focused on that. But why don't we uh, just start, let's, I'll start us off with prayer here this morning. Uh, the one thing that I've been thinking about, what God has taught me the most, I, I got saved 42 years ago, <laughs> uh, back in when I was in college, and I'll share a little bit more about that. But it's just, uh, I think the one thing that, that I kind of have hung on to over these last 42 years, I think God's been teaching me kind of over and over again, is hope. So that's what I'm going to focus on here this morning. So let's pray. Oh, God, we, we thank you. God, just thank you for the worship this morning, how we could sing about your love. And God, how you want to set us ablaze with hope. And Lord, I just thank you, God, that you have good things for us this morning. Lord, things in your word that you want to encourage us with. Lord, so that we might have hope, so that we might know you and know your love. And I just pray, God, that you would just uh, speak through me this morning, God. Speak through John. Lord, we just want to be instruments of, of your love and of your hope, Lord. And, and we just uh, commit this morning to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I got, like I said, I got saved 42 years ago. Back when I was in college, I was, a lot of people when they go to college are confronted with, with God when they're uh, a freshman. And I was as well, but I kind of uh, kind of pushed it aside. I had grown up in the church, and I had gone to church all my life. I knew a lot about the Bible. I knew I knew a lot about the gospel, but I didn't really know it personally within my life. And so when I was confronted with that, it kind of scared me <laughs> when I first heard about that, to, to see that God really wanted to have an uh, impact in my life, wanted to be a part of my life, and wanted to, to uh, yeah, to show me how much he loved me and to have me follow him. And I was, I didn't want to do that at first. So over the next couple of years, God kind of showed me that going my own way wasn't going to make it. <laughs> and uh, so I, I tried a lot of different things. I tried to pour myself into my schoolwork and just to get good grades and try to build relationships, try to be popular, get a president of my dorm floor, and just try to do lots of different things to find fulfillment and try to, you know, achieve in life. But everything I tried just left me empty. And uh, 
So, and it seemed like over the course of a couple years there, when I was kind of trying to keep God at a distance, God kept coming after me. <laughs> and just through people around in that were close to me in my life, a lot of my friends were becoming Christians and were getting saved. And so my junior year then, I think God was just preparing me in his timing. And a couple guys shared this verse with me. It says, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. And I don't think I'd ever heard this verse before, knowing that God wanted to, had a future for me, that he had a plan for my life, and that plan was to give me a future, a good future. It wasn't for calamity or harm, but it was for good, and it was to give me a hope. And that just really struck me that day, that yeah... That's what I've been searching for all these years. That's what I've been wanting. That's what I've been trying to work out on my own. But it hasn't worked out. But God says he has that for me. So I decided that day, October 17th, 1977, that I was just, okay, God, I'm going to trust you. I've been trying to do this my own way, and I'm sorry, but I'm going to just trust you and rely on you to show me what you want for my life. So... So that was kind of the first start, and uh, I was just, I know after I started going to, they had a Bible study and kind of church thing on campus there that I started going to, it was Friday nights, and, but a lot of it was just based on the word, so I've been really encouraged by the series of what uh, Greg and Brad have been going through, it's been bringing back a lot of memories actually when I first got saved, and just really pouring into the word, and uh, memorizing scripture, I started even this fall doing the, the memory madness thing again too, just to get God's word in me more. And so I'm just going to share a few verses here this morning of how God's just given me hope through his word. And it's just because of his word, I think of this next verse too in Romans 15.4. It says, For whatever is written in earlier times was written for our instruction, so that through perseverance and the encouragement of the scripture, we might have hope. So God has written all this, the Bible for us, so that we, so as we persevere and as we are encouraged in the scripture, we might have hope. So hopefully <laughs> this morning I get to share some things that maybe will touch a chord with you too, that God will be speak th through you through his word. And that will just give you hope as well. So just a, a few things here. Uh, first thing I think is, it's easy for me to lose hope when I think things are getting out of control. And I don't know what, if you look at the news today and see everything that's going on in this world, it is really, it tends to be hopeless. <laughs> and it tends to just discourage me and it just doesn't give me hope. So... I was just reminded of one of the stories, one of my favorite stories in the Bible is the story of Joseph. And uh, if you're not familiar with Joseph, Joseph was the 11th of 12 brothers. So he, he was uh, on the younger end, but uh, he was kind of dad's favorite, and the brothers didn't like him for it. And so, kind of make a long story short, they sold him into slavery. <laughs> 
Uh, I don't know, I hope none of you brothers and sisters want to do that with your brother or sister, but uh, that's what they did with him. They thought about killing him, but they decided, no, let's make some money on it, and they sold him into slavery. So over the course of time, God used that, and uh, so I just struck by Joseph's attitude in that. You know, he could have been, got discouraged, could have got, got uh, kind of uh, just upset by that. But later on in life, God had raised him up to be second command in Egypt. And his brothers had come down to uh, get grain because they were in a famine. And the second time down, Joseph revealed himself to him, to his brothers. And this is, you know, when they first thought that, oh man, this is Joseph. Oh no, what's going to happen to us? But Joseph said, now do not be grieved or angry with yourselves. Here in Genesis 45, because you sold me here, for God sent me before you to preserve life. Then later on in the section it says, God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant, remnant in the earth and to keep you alive by great deliverance. Now therefore, it was not you who sent me here, but God. <laughs> I would just really like that to see that, yeah, his brother sold him into slavery. They're the ones that kind of sent him down there. But Joseph knew, no, you guys, God used you guys to do that. God is the one that sent me here to save life. I was just struck by that. There's another verse in Isaiah 55. It says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my, your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So we don't always know God's plan in things. <laughs> and that gives me hope that I don't have to know everything that God is working, how he's working, but just knowing that he's in control and he's got a plan and that he's going to work it all out. And he's going to do good there, just like he did with Joseph. It wasn't always easy and it wasn't always work out the way we think it should. <laughs> you know, it's, but, uh, but God is in control. Another one, when I think about when I don't know what to do, that's another time when I can get kind of feeling hopeless. I, oh, what am I going to do in this situation? <laughs> and uh, another story, King Jehoshaphat, he is a, a king of Judah, and um, he was... He wasn't the perfect king. <laughs> he had done some things that were bad. He had kind of aligned himself with an evil king, Ahab, uh, through marriage. Uh, sent one of his sons to marry Ahab's daughter, and and uh, that didn't go real well. And but then he had God had challenged him, and he had kind of turned back to God and was teaching the people of Israel all things about about. Um, about God is kind of going around even on trips of himself teaching and and but then the king of Assyria came up and was going to attack them just out of nowhere and um, but Jehoshaphat went before God and he was praying and he says for we are powerless before this great multitude who are coming against us nor do we know what to do but our eyes are on you and I, I think about that. That gives me hope because I, I pray that a lot. God, I don't know what to do here. <laughs> but I'm going to keep my eyes on you in this situation. I think of this verse, too, that I remember uh, Tim Cavanaugh showed this um, last summer, too. But uh, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. 
just knowing that I can trust God in this situation and I don't have to lean on how I think it's going to work out or my ways of doing things, but I can just trust God and, and he says he will make his path straight. And in Proverbs 2, 1 through 11, I'm not going to read that, but the, it talks in there too about if you search for wisdom as for hidden treasure, you know, just really go after it. It says then God will make things uh, He'll make you aware of things, and he'll he'll give you wisdom. He'll help you know what to do in different situations. So when I think of that, that gives me hope. I know when I sin, <laughs> and I, I'm not perfect, I do sin at times. But there's this verse in Psalm 130, and actually this is a song uh, that we sang back when I was first saved back in college. It says, uh, if you, Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord, my soul does wait, and in his word do I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning, indeed more than watchmen for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord. And I, I can't put my name in there too. It says, O David, O Dave, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is loving kindness, and with him is abundant redemption, and he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. That gives me hope. I can sin, but God, there's forgiveness with God. And I can put my hope in his word. Another one, when I feel weak, and there's another song in Psalm 59. It says, But as for me, I shall sing of your strength. Yes, I shall joyfully sing of your loving kindness in the morning. For you have been my stronghold and a refuge in the day of my distress. O oh, my strength, I will sing praises to you. For God is my stronghold, the God who shows me loving kindness. I just love these words. <laughs> they just give me hope and just encourage my heart. To, so just to, yeah, I can just trust in God. I can sing of his strength, even though I'm weak. In fact, in uh, 2 Corinthians 12, 9, it says, And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. This was God talking to Paul, the Apostle Paul, when he was trying to, he was praying to God that he would remove this infirmity from him. Something was either wrong with his eyes or something about it. But, but God told him, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. And I don't know if I, I go that far to boast about my weaknesses, but that was Paul's attitude, just so that God's power could be shown through him. So I can have hope even when I'm weak. Or when I feel discouraged. Now this uh, another song that I, uh, Dennis Clark wrote a, a song to these words here. Now this is uh, Jeremiah, and he was lamenting, <laughs> lamentations, all the things that had gone on with, with Israel and Judah, and just gone into captivity, and yeah, it was just really bad. But even in that situation, Jeremiah had hope. He says, this I recall to mind, therefore I have hope. The Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I have hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the person who seeks him. So I just, oh, that's great. You know, I can 
to have that promise that God's loving kindnesses are new every morning. His faithfulness is great towards us, towards me. And therefore, I can have hope in those situations when I get discouraged. And I do get discouraged at times. <laughs> I know just a week and a half ago, I got an email from a client uh, this guy was, and I've never met this guy, but I've traded emails with him before, and he had asked me, uh, where, where are my reports? When can I get my reports? And, uh, I didn't even know you were supposed to get reports. And <laughs> but uh, so I was just getting all, it was kind of late in the day on Thursday a week ago, and I was getting discouraged by that, and uh, just, oh man, what am I going to do? I, I guess I'll email and say, yeah, I can get you reports. Uh, remind me again uh, <laughs> what what you're expecting, and uh, maybe we could talk about it in the morning. And so, but uh, but anyway, just that uh, in that, I was talking over with Diane, my wife, and uh, she just encouraged me, and we just thought, well, let's just start going through some scripture. And God's word just gave me hope. I just started going through the memory verses. It wasn't anything that really applied to that situation, but just getting my mind into God's word just gave me hope that God could work it out. And he did. I was able to deliver the reports Friday. Uh, so everything got done in the, in the week. So, but, yeah, so I just need to remember that God is in those situations. Another verse, this is another song. It says, Why are you in despair, O my soul? And why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. So, yeah, just that God will even, as I have hope in him, he'll even help with my countenance, my face, and my attitude. Uh, this is a good one, too, for me, just when I want to give up. <laughs> and at times, I feel like I, I want to give up. And I remember a, a pastor shared this verse with me. It's, it's a, the pastor that married my wife and I, uh, Brent Knox, back in, uh, back in Ames, Iowa. We had been married for about a year, and I was, I, we were just had them over for supper, and we were talking to them, him and his wife, and they were just, we were talking about, oh man, sometimes I just feel like giving up. And he just tell, told me, well, don't give up. <laughs> and he shared this verse with me in Galatians 6 9. It's kind of the end of this section. But I was just thinking about this, even how Greg had kind of, or Brad had showed these verses earlier this fall. So do not be deceived, God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please his, their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. <laughs> And just talking in the context there, just talking about how we can, you know, reap that, um, that righteousness as we sow to the Spirit. And I was just thinking about that as we get God's Word in us and uh, just becoming encouraged in that and filled up with that, then we will have hope and we won't give up. Another, some other verses here in Philippians. For I'm confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. And I just think of that, how God's committed to each one of us. 
that we can be confident that he saved us. He began the good work in us. He's going to complete it. He's going to perfect it until Christ comes back. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And he's, he's happy to do it. <laughs> he's happy to work in us. And then just the last one here, when I think is sometimes it can be hopeless when people die. <laughs> and uh, 2018 was kind of a challenging year for my wife and I. Her, her dad passed away in, in January. He'd been living with us for seven years. And just uh, seeing him pass, it was just a, a blessing to have him with us those years and to see his faith grow and his walk with the Lord grow. But and then her mom died in June and you know just uh, those are hard times. You're just gonna miss them and I know remember back when my mom and dad passed away years ago. But uh just the hope that the scripture can give us even in those situations that just read this last section here brothers and sisters we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope for we believe that Jesus died and rose again and so we believe that God will bring from with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him according to the Lord's word we tell you that we who are still alive who are left until the coming of the Lord will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first after that we who are still alive and are left will be caught up to Together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? <laughs> that gives me hope. <laughs> Therefore, it says, it even commands us, encourage one another with these words. You know, we're going to be together with all those that have gone before us. We're going to be with them. If they're in the Lord, we'll be with them in the Lord forever. So just closing here, just uh, hopefully, whoops, uh, that you can have a, you too can just uh, maybe get some scripture that helps give you hope. There's so many verses in there. I've just touched on a few here this morning that just give hope. But uh, just remembering that God does have plans for us, plans for our welfare, not for calamity, to give us a future and a hope. And that was what was ever written in the scriptures was written for our instruction so that through perseverance and an encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. So I'm going to turn it over to John here. I was really encouraged by Dave, his testimony. And I'm encouraged by Dave and Diane's character. They're people of perseverance and determination. I'm just so encouraged by those guys. And it's right that we would listen to them. But I wanted to share a story about my getting saved. I was going to a little Bible study in Ames, Iowa. And there was a guy there, Jay Yowsling. Some of you guys have probably met him. And uh, I was faking it. I had grown up religious, but I was really, really lost. And uh, one time Jay came to me and asked me, Hey, how sure are you that if you died today, you'd go to heaven? I told Jay, I think I'd go to heaven. And he said, really? What would you say if God asked you, why should I let you into my heaven? (laughs) 
and there was probably an awkward pause. And, you know, I was religious enough. I, th- I th- think I really actually said something about, well, I think I would just say Jesus. And Jay was pretty much satisfied with that. I was around all these Christians. No one else ever asked me that question. But I went away from that time. And uh, these were actually people who really knew the Bible and knew what it meant to be saved. And I went away and uh, I remember thinking two things. First off, John, you're not going to go to heaven because you don't know that you're going to go to, that you can go to heaven. And secondly, you're not going to go to heaven because you just lied to this guy. (laughs) So I think I found a little gospel track and read that thing like my soul depended on it. And I remember coming away with a verse. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And I remember praying that, Christ, I believe in you, and I I really want that gift of salvation. So that's kind of my beginning point. What is kind of going on in my life these days is I'm I'm surrounded by young atheist guys. Not tons of them, but I've got two two young atheist guys that I can interact with. And I love these guys. They're sweet, sweet people. I'm just privileged to be in relationship with them, and they're precious. But... uh, Uh, their image of God is very different from ours. And so I wrote this down. I want to portray to you an image of God that is different from the concept almost anyone else around you has. It's an image of God as completely fulfilled, completely satisfied, and completely joyful. He's not an angry God. He will judge humanity. And the consequences of being alienated from him will be tragic. If you are alienated from God, it will feel like he is angry with you forever. But if you're reconciled to God, you will enjoy his presence and grow more and more like him as time progresses, more fulfilled, more satisfied, more joyful. That's the God we serve. My goal for today is to trigger your thinking about God. He's real. He's personal. He wants to be known by you. The following are a few truths from the Bible that help me understand God and his ways. And I want you to know, part of the reason I'm sitting down is, as I interact about these thoughts about God, they're not comprehensive. And they're things that you can actually push back on. You can challenge my thinking. And I'm good with that. So I wanted to be at your level as we do this. I think this is... Oh, yeah, it's right there in front of me. Okay, so... All right, the first point. God is characteristically joyful. And this is a a verse from the Psalms, but it's also part of the first kind of like evangelical sermon that was ever preached in like Acts 2, I think, or Acts 3, someplace really early in Acts. Peter actually quotes this verse. Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. And Peter, as he was recounting this, he said, David is certainly dead and in the grave. This is prophetic about Christ. But I love the spirit in this. This psalm describes God the Father and God the Son as characteristically glad, rejoicing, secure, directed, and hopeful. That's the God you serve. I'm not going to build out these thoughts completely. We probably could go into a lot more detail. But I want to just plant that seed that your God is a rejoicing God. Your God is a glad God. Your God is a secure God. Your God is a directed God. Your God is a hopeful God. That's the God we serve. 
And I'll tell you, as I reflect on people's lives around me, like Dave, for example, and Diane, I see much, much evidence for this is the real God. This is the God these guys serve. I love that. We can grow up in a world, I won't ask you guys this, but I know I will self, self-declare, hey, what was the dominant emotion in the place you grew up in? For me, it was anger. I grew up in a very angry place. And it's a joy to me to think, you know what? My God is joyful. I love that. Point number two. God the Father Father is utterly fulfilled and satisfied in Jesus, God the Son. You know, for God, there's not another Super Bowl coming. You guys can all make that your favorite line. There's not another Super Bowl coming for my God. It's over. Jesus won it all. It's all done. I love that. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son whom I love. With him I'm well pleased. In that moment... In all moments leading up to that, in all moments subsequent to that, God was utterly fulfilled and satisfied in his Son. That's the God we serve. And he's inviting us into that. I think that rocks. Then a cloud appeared and enveloped them, and a voice came from the clouds, This is my Son whom I love. Listen to him. I am so excited by this representation of God. To the best of my knowledge, from the time of, uh, I'm not sure when God audibly spoke in the Old Testament, probably to some people, but it's been a long time. This is the audible voice that God's represented in our kind of, our time. The only time he felt like he had to spoke, he had to affirm his son. He couldn't contain himself. He spoke. This is my son whom I love. With him I'm well pleased. To me, that's really, really significant. This is a verse from that Paul wrote. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Sorry for the typo. That won't be the only one. But uh, it's really interesting that if you think about religious history as we think about it, in the Old Testament there were all kinds of sacrifices, and to us, they wouldn't be very fragrant. They wouldn't be very pleasing. They involved killing animals and all the things that go along with that, and then burning those animals and taking some of the parts outside of the outside of the um, outside of the temple area or outside of the city and burning them up there. But God says, you know what? What Christ did on that cross really satisfied me. It's a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And it's so much more than we'll ever be able to understand. We'll never be able to fully understand Christ's sacrifice for us. But it is appropriate that we would see that as a centerpiece of our faith. And even as we interact with God, say, you know, Father, I know that you're satisfied because of what Christ did on that cross. I don't fully understand it, but I know that you're satisfied with that. And I'm coming to you on that basis. In Ephesians 1, in love, he, God, predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. And it's interesting that it identifies Jesus as the one he loves. We might, we're always tempted to put ourselves in the center of the gospel, aren't we? But God the Father, I think, would definitely say, Jesus is the one I love. I mean, I'm so absorbed with him, and I really do think that if God, in God's conception of history, eternity past to eternity future, 
his mind is just absorbed with Christ and his sacrifice. And Jesus is the one the Father loves. And God is, and like that takeaway, God, or the header, God is utterly fulfilled and satisfied, and satisfied in Jesus, God the Son. The next point, God has an ultimate eternal purpose, which Jesus accomplished, the redemption of humanity. And you think, well, why, why is this integral to your sense of God, to your sense of God, in, in a sense, almost God's sense of well-being? Hey, God has accomplished the thing that really valued him, that mattered to him the most. And I was really interested by this verse. It says, his intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. And I thought, I'm going to check out some other versions. You want to know what the King James uses for that term, eternal purpose? Eternal purpose. New American Standard Bible? Eternal purpose. New English Version? Eternal purpose. You can find some other versions that I've never heard of that use some other terminology, but it seems like everyone kind of agrees. All the people who translate the Bible and try to make it relevant to us or communicate it to us, they say, hey, his intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus. That really makes me feel centered around the church for one thing. I want to share with you guys, I really value what you people like Jeremy leading worship and Greg and Brad and other people, people who are facilitating the church here and the deacons and other people here. Thanks for doing this. You know, the church is a, is a representation of the manifold wisdom of God to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. And his eternal purpose was accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. God is the most accomplished being in the universe. Like I said, there's not another Super Bowl coming. God has accomplished his purpose in redeeming humanity through Christ. I'm just so privileged to be a part of that. God, thank you for saving me. I was, I was very, very contrary to that. But um, you saved me and I appreciate that. I love this verse in Romans, and this would be a, kind of another testimony verse as I was going through life, and life unfolds. It's, it's, a, it's quite a journey, isn't it? You know, when we're old, and on our, you know, possibly on our deathbeds, it's still going to be a journey. It's a journey all the way. But this is one of those verses that when I was kind of in the middle of the journey and thinking, now what, who am I and what am I really about? This verse really spoke to me, but now a righteousness from God, apart from law, has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There's no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in His blood. God, He did this to demonstrate His justice. Because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did this to demonstrate his justice at the present time so as to be just. And the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. God's very deliberate, isn't he? You know, the cross isn't something that God stumbled into. It wasn't a crisis that he had to solve. It's something that from eternity past he determined, I'm going to demonstrate my justice through this. In one sense, it's tragic. It's made the most tragic thing that ever happened. 
I hope you guys experience this when you see things like uh, like people leaving northern Syria. I saw a picture and I wanted to kind of actually not put a lot of graphics into this, kind of intentionally. But I saw a picture of a father and his three children and his wife on a motorcycle leaving northern Syria. And I thought, that's so beautiful. That's such a beautiful picture of connection. And it's tragic. Those people's lives will never be the same again. And God's like that too. The gospel is a tragic beauty. Beauty. It's beautiful that God, Jesus, the infinite one, died for the sins of us finite people. The payment was disproportionate. It's more than enough. The infinite God dying for the sins of finite man. It's beautiful, but it's tragic in that God had to suffer in that. And one of the things that's really unique about our faith, I think, is that we serve a God who suffered, a God who is willing to die for us. That cycle of death is before us, but God went through that. I'm really challenged by that. And I'm in awe of God that he would accomplish, I'm in awe of God that he has an eternal purpose that was accomplished in Christ. I'm in awe of his deliberate nature around that. I'm in awe that he would extend that to me, and I'm very, very thankful. So that's one of those things about God that really, really helps me. And the Bible's helped me to have a lot more clarity about my own self. There's another verse. I don't think I've got it in here, Romans 4, 4. I might have it in here. We'll see. It says, Now to the man who does not work, but trusts God who justifies the wicked, his faith is credited to him as righteousness. I really like the way Paul uses that word wicked in there. It, resound, it, 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 it resounds to me. It, it resonates with me. Yeah, I'm wicked, but I'm trusting God, and I'm saved. All right. The primary characteristic of heaven is that God the Father, Jesus, and the Spirit will be worshipped there. And it, it, this is a beautiful thing, especially if you're kind of introspective. And, you know, uh, you may not be, you know, it's going to be a lot of people there in heaven. And just know this. All the attention is going to be on God the Father and Jesus and the Spirit. You're going to fit in just great. You'll really love it. Especially if you feel worshipful towards God and worshipful towards Jesus. You'll really fit in. And day and night, they never stop saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty who was and is and is to come. And then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing in the center of the throne, God's throne, and they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seal because you were slain. And with your blood you purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God. And they will reign on the earth. I, I love that. I love that sense of God's going to be worshipped. Okay. Another psalm from Romans 14. It is written, As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me and every tongue will confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. You know, God is going to be worshipped. Jesus is going to be worshipped. And that's been, you know, these are just some thoughts from the Bible that have really kind of been an anchor for me. And now I'm going to turn it around and point it back to you. I'm sorry. 
God has a future for you that is far more glorious than your past. But some may ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? How foolish. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. When you sow, you do not plant a body that will be, but just a seed, perhaps of weed or something else. But God gives it a body as he has determined. What an anchor for this, for my soul, this is, God, you mean, you're going to give me a glorified body? My body now is like a grain of wheat, and later it's going to be like a whole wheat plant, or like a little acorn? I'm going to come back as some kind of a oak tree? I'm going to be something way, way more than what I am now? Yeah, you are. So that last thought that I said about God, God will be praised and worshipped. You know, God has a glorious future for you. Don't think you're insignificant. Don't think you're insignificant. God has a glorious future for you. So it will be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown perishable will be raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It will be raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It will be raised in power. It is sown in a natural body. It will be raised a spiritual body. You know, God has a glorious future for you. God has a glorious future for you. And I don't care how dishonorable you, you feel like you are. I went to a shoe repairman guy one time, just a sour old guy, and I brought in my shoes, and they were just wrecked. And I came back two days later or something, and they would just look beautiful. And I said, hey, man, I was just hoping for slightly less disreputable. And he made them look like new. And God's going to do something way more than that for us. God has an internal purpose for you, salvation, that Jesus accomplished. Here's the verse in Romans 4.4. However, to the man who does not work, but trusts God, who justifies the wicked, his faith is credited to him as righteousness. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. I love that idea of transformation that, hey, we're, we're wicked people. John 3.16, and yet God saved us. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God wants you to be utterly fulfilled and satisfied in Jesus, his Son. From that time on, Jesus began to preach repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. You know, God's trying to lead us into something completely different. By our nature, we want to hold on. Do you, have you ever known anyone who was in a really dysfunctional relationship but they couldn't leave it? They could not leave it. Uh, I was like that. Other people tried to impress me, keep me in bad relationships at times. It's crazy. Jesus says there's a new life for you. Go for it. Go for it. I love that about Christ. If repentance means leaving what was behind and having something really new, I'm in. Then Jesus declared, I'm the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. I love this verse in John 1. Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. God wants you to be utterly fulfilled and satisfied in Jesus, God the Son. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. He who believes in me will never be thirsty. I think they had, oh, I had those on the last slide. Sorry for that. Finally, God wants you to be joyful. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. If we reflected back on that first verse where the psalmist was talking about, prophetically talking about Jesus, you know, it was a, it really, you know, I'm talking about how does the word, how has the word affected me? And it, it's been very, very freeing. It frees me from all the past that's so challenging for me. And it frees me in a lot of ways from my present, if I'll let it. But these, this knowledge of God, this 
connection with this real God. And um, there's so much more that we could say. I, I feel a little bit, I feel a little bit, um, you know, we're all inadequate to communicate God. But I want to take a minute and say, thank you for letting me express these songs, thoughts about God. I'm going to go back to the very beginning and just go through the, the really, really quickly. God is characteristically joyful. God is utterly fulfilled and satisfied in Jesus. God has an ultimate eternal purpose which Jesus accomplished. And the primary characteristic of heaven is that God the Father and Jesus and the Spirit will be worshipped there. I want to encourage you guys. I'm encouraged by your lives. I'm encouraged by this church. I'm encouraged by the fruit of this church. And uh, very encouraged to be saved. So I'm going to pray and wrap it up. But again, I want to say thanks for being here. Father, we're, we're filled with worship for you. You've done an incredible thing. We never would have thought of it. We never would have thought of you making the level of sacrifice you made for us. We never would have asked for it. And yet you did that because that's the kind of God you are. You're willing to sacrifice for us. And so we want to take a moment and tell you thank you for that. Thanks for Christ for dying on that cross for my sins. Thanks for this church. And thanks for each person here. Thanks for the good you have in store for us. Draw us close to you, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.